Hi, my name is Evan. I use he, him pronouns. And it's Ian, and I use they, them pronouns. And this is If the Shoe Fits, a podcast where we look at Cinderella stories from the mundane to the bizarre. Today we're looking at the Disney animated film Cinderella from the 1950s. Probably the most well-known one. Easily. Like, easily the most well-known one. I know I saw it when I was a little kid. Of course. I mean, I had the VHS. I don't think I did. I had the Masterpiece Collection, baby. <laughs> uh, so I have, I have our fast facts this episode. There was a precursor to this movie. Mm-hmm. In the 1920s, they made a short animated film of the Cinderella story, which is only seven minutes long. You can find it on YouTube. It's black and white. Very 1920s. Very 1920s. Flapper dress, old cars. They definitely got better at animation in the <laughs> in the 38 years that followed. Well, I think that one was just Walt Disney animating it. 28 years. Because in the because in that in those days, Disney was just animating by himself. He didn't Ooh. get his company until like around Snow White. Oh, Walt Disney was the animator. Yeah, Walt Disney was the animator of that time. When did he stop animating? Did he work on any of the major films we know and love? Did he work on Snow White? He, I think he worked on Snow White for sure. He definitely worked on Pinocchio. I think after Pinocchio, he stopped because that's, because those two were big. Maybe after Fantasia. Mm -hmm. I could be wrong. Tell us if we're wrong, you know? (laughs) You know, call us out. So by 1938, they had started to have the idea that they would, wanted to make a full feature film by it, but of course it took them until 1950. Mm Mm-hmm. Looking at the list of canonical Disney animated movies, this is really the first significant one since Bambi in 1942. Mm. Uh, there's a there's a history of, of other movies between the two of them, but none of them are the sort of movie that Disney has tried to make a live-action version of or done all these re-releases of. Mm-hmm. Really, it's Dumbo in 1941, Bambi in 1942, and then this gap where they're producing... Uh, anthology films or war propaganda mm-hmm. or films that have been forgotten or have been rightly cast aside for racial insensitivity <laughs> uh, uh, until Cinderella in 1950. It was pretty well received when it first came out. It was nominated for three Academy Awards but won none of them. Mm. I wanted to read you some quotes from reviews. Uh, here's one from the Chicago Tribune. May Tinny or Tiny, perhaps, writes, The film not only is handsome with imaginative art and glowing colors to bedeck the old fairy tale, but it is also told gently, without the lurid villains which sometimes give little tots nightmares. It is enhanced by the sudden piquant touches of humor and the music which appeals to old and young. Which I I do broadly agree with, actually. Oh, for sure. And then I have one uh, more critical review. Somebody was critical of this? How dare they? Most people were not critical of this, but somebody in Variety wrote, The film found more success in projecting the lower animals than in its central character, Cinderella, who is on the colorless, doll-faced side, as is the Prince Charming, which I also do not totally disagree with. I don't disagree with it per se. I just think... I think this movie has a story problem in that Cinderella, the character... Mm-hmm is beautiful and perfect and obliging and never complains, which makes it hard to have a, for her also to have a personality. I think she has a personality. I disagree with that. I definitely think she has a personality in this. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Name five of her personalities. Uh, okay, well, her personality is dreaming. She's very dreamlike. <laughs> she sings a whole song about dreaming. Yeah, she sings a whole song about dreaming. She also dreams that she's in a bunch of bubbles. Come on. Um, very sweet, you know, very motherly to all of the mice, as well as her, the other animals, you know. Mm-hmm. Very maternal. Um, very jokey, because remember when she makes the joke about the music lesson? 
I do to not. The so, I mean, this this is more fitting for the synopsis, but there's a point in the film where the stepsisters, I mean, if you've seen the film, you've seen the film. The stepsisters ha- have a nice little music ne- lesson and, you know, she's singing awfully. The other one's playing the flute awfully. And uh, the, the knock on the door with an invitation to the ball comes and Cinderella's like, well, I, I didn't want to re- interrupt this uh, music lesson. Yeah, it says it exactly in that tone. Mm-hmm. And like, kind of raises her eyebrows like all jokingly like eh eh <laughs> i don't know that her being sarcastic once i mean it shows she's got something right so you can't say she has nothing she has nothing <laughs> well, well let, let's do the synopsis real quick because that'll provide i think a better a better grounding for the right. conversation okay a lot of it is pretty typical to the charles perot cinderella mm-hmm. but i would argue that it's like maybe half the movie so the movie is an hour 14 long okay and I bet that if we re-edited it to be just the Charles Perrault parts of the story, it would be half that length, like 40 minutes or something. Probably. Because most of the movie, or the other half of the movie, is capers with the animal residence of the house mm-hmm. that Cinderella lives in. So she befriends and clothes the local mice that get caught, get caught in traps mm-hmm. and protects them from the stepmother's cat, whose name is Lucifer. Yeah. Uh, and then there's also a dog... Bruno and a horse. We don't know the horse's name, but the, there is a horse, there on, is a horse on property. There's also chickens, but they don't do much. No, they don't. And there's also birds, which she's friends with, mm-hmm. who fly into her room in the morning and help her get up and help her make her dress. Right. Yeah, I like to think that this is a, both a combination of the the it's Perot, correct? Mm-hmm. The Perot and the Grimm version. It's like if you kind of melded these two together. Oh, because would, there's birds. Right, because there's birds. And I think it's mostly the Perot version. Plus birds. With some elements. Of, with some elements with some of the... With some grim elements, you know. The, the, her being able to have magical communication with animals. Yeah. Like in the in the grim version. Right. Notably, we start the movie out, uh, in fact, by meeting a new mouse who has just been caught in a trap. Mm-hmm. Whose name is Gus. She names him Gus and clothes him. Mm-hmm. And he forms a comic duo with one of the more established mice, Jack... Jacques. Jacques, thank you. Jacques is French. Uh-huh, is French. The story is French. <laughs> and they have a number of Tom and Jerry-esque capers with the cat Lucifer across the length of the film. Yeah, there's about, I want to say, like, like three big things between the mice and the cat. Yeah, classic, like, cartoon animation logic. Mm-hmm. Like, if Tom and Jerry did, because uh, they've been doing a lot of, like, Tom and Jerry in The Wizard of Oz, Tom and Jerry in Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. If Tom and Jerry did a Cinderella, it would basically be this Cinderella. Yes. Yeah, and that's sort of what I mean about the issue of Cinderella having or not having a personality is she may have a personality, but Jacques and Gus have so much more personality mm-hmm. in comparison that... It's so much more interesting to see what Jacques and Gus are going to do in reaction to situations, although they mostly spend their lives trying to help Cinderella along and being sympathetic to whatever she's going through. Mm-hmm. So they help her make her dress when she has a day, busy day of working before the ball so that she can still go to the ball. They try to release her when she's trapped in her room while the prince... Uh, or where the prince's duke has come to <laughs> to bring the shoe at the end right. of the, at the end of the story that whole climbing of the stairs segment oh yeah yeah which is an invention right in the pro version she's not locked in her room right the stepmother that reala- is- realizes that she probably is the person the prince danced with well she does a big stupid 
if I might might say, because as soon as she finds out that the prince is looking for her and that she danced with the prince, because she doesn't realize she dances with the prince at all. Right. She goes to the ball. A man comes up to her and dances. She dances the night away with him. And they then fall in love. They fall in love. They sing a whole song about it. And then she leaves at midnight but without realizing that she that he was the prince. I think she even has some line where she's like, oh, I wanted to meet the prince or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's like, the prince. It, <laughs> it, but she's already running, so. Right. So when she realizes that it's the prince, she... She goes into like a love trance. She does have a love trance. <laughs> and the stepmother puts two and two together because at the ball, the, a classic Cinderella thing is that nobody realizes... Uh, at the ball that it is in fact Cinderella mm-hmm. even though she looks like Cinderella but I was gonna say is it because she's pretty or do you think she now looks beautiful or is it because like the fairy godmother puts like a little extra something to be like you're gonna be unrecognizable right. to even your family oh that's interesting I don't I don't know that any version that has that explicitly but I think it, part of it is that they've never seen her so beautiful before and they also in this version add this level that the stepmother is like behind a crowd of people so she doesn't get a clear view of her mm, and she even true. like tries to follow her at one point because she's like she looks kind of familiar but um she's unable to right the duke stops it right so uh, let's let's talk about the setup of the royal life for a second so <laughs> there's not much but there is a scene with the king and his duke where the king best character funniest character oh yeah yeah, the king is motivated by exactly one thing, uh, which is that he wants Babies. he wants grandkids. <laughs> so he has this plan that is the prince has been away or something. Yeah, they're going to have a ball that very night, mm-hmm. and all the eligible ladies will be invited. So everything happens the day of, basically. Pretty much, it it happens within two days. And the first time that we, the audience, see the prince, is at the beginning of the ball when all the ladies are being introduced to him and he's bowing mm-hmm. to them and yawning and is just uh, deeply uninterested in any of them. Right. The prince has maybe three lines of dialogue. They're <laughs> and all in a, a song that he sings a duet, a love duet. The three lines of dialogue are all within a, like a minute of each other. It's, at the end of the song, when Cinderella realizes it's, mid- it's midnight and she has to leave. Mm. And is like, but wait, how will I find you? The prince, like, he mm. just says four things and that's it. It's the duke who brings the shoe to the house. Right. The prince is not there. <laughs> he has the least personality of any major character in this story. Yeah. I mean, that was that's kind of a thing with, like, Disney princes of that time. Because Cinderella's prince, really not noteworthy. You can kind of say that Snow White's prince is not noteworthy either. Like, there's no distinguishing features between yeah. the two. Well, and I think it's in keeping with the fairy tale. I think that the the prince is just a prince. I think that's all there is to mm-hmm. it. In in both versions of the fairy tale, mm-hmm. I think a thing that we'll see a lot of is that most interpretations of the story have them meet earlier in the story somehow. Right. They, they kind of try to do something with the prince and do something with Cinderella. You know, you talk about how earlier that she didn't have a personality which i disagree but hey that's just me but they they do try to do something to make her more um what's the word is it more feisty yeah more feisty a little more conviction like just more go out and do it herself well and i was fascinated to find when i was researching this version that one of the disney story people pitched a version to walt uh, of the story where she is more feisty, where the fairy godmother is like, you have until midnight and then the rest is on your own. Mm. And she like takes back agency and like tells the family off, the step family off for treating her so poorly and like mm. throws stuff at them. <laughs> and I kind of would love to see a version where she really gets to yell at the step family. I, I would like that too. That'd yeah. be fun. Just imagine Cinderella just throwing pots and pans. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 
I mean, tell me they don't deserve it. They they deserve it. They mm-hmm. totally deserve it. This stepmother deserves it, I think. Yes. I don't think she's going to be the most evil stepmother we'll see, although she's she's evil in a very, like, delegatory way, right? Mm. Like, the, the height of her evil in this movie... I think the height of her evil in this movie is when she locks Cinderella in her attic bedroom mm-hmm. when the Duke is coming with the shoe. Right. But the other height, the other peak of her evil, I suppose is when Cinderella realizes she can, in fact, come to the ball because the mice and birds and so on have fixed up her dress for her, which mm-hmm. is also separation from the pro story. Right. And she runs down the More stairs. like Well, nobody fixes a dress in any version. Well, I mean, no, but... And she runs down the stairs in her dress to join the party, and the stepmother doesn't physically do anything, but she opens the door for the stepsisters to tear the dress apart. And basically physically assault her. <laughs> And physically assault her, right? Yeah. But she she doesn't actually do anything. She points out that like the the necklace looks familiar, so the mm. stepsisters can realize that the mouse the mice stole it, although they assume Cinderella right. stole it. And then once the dress has been torn to shreds, she says, "I think that's enough," and they leave. Mm-hmm. I mean, we even see a little bit of her evilness in her first appearance when she's laying in her bed, petting her cat, with just like the light at her feet and then darkness surrounding her. Well, she looks evil, but I would argue that petting cats is not inherently evil. Well, it's not inherently evil but this cat is evil i was gonna say name me name me a villain that does not evilly pet a cat first of all a lot of villains don't evilly pet cats (laughs) fine mrs hannigan i don't know (laughs) and then the the dialogue afterwards it's all because they think that cinderella put a mouse into anastasia the red-haired one's teacup Mm -hmm. when really it was just uh, Gus Gus running away from Lucifer. Right. The cat is called Lucifer, which should be a giveaway. Mm-hmm. I mean, the cat is kind of a bigger antagonist in this movie than the stepmother is. Well, even in that scene, like when she's like kind of chastising her, th- her tone, and I got to give it up to the voice actress, Eleanor Audrey, who will appear in later Disney movies. She really does a very commanding and threatening tone to her uh when talking to cinderella and not even like chastising her but just giving her so much more to do like working her down to like the bone giving her so many chores to do and like even if she's done already one chore she's like do it again like it's just so like fierce and commanding Mm-hmm. And she went on to play Maleficent. She did go on to play Maleficent. So. Funnily enough, both of her characters are in Disney canon and Disney fandom. They are considered the two most evil villains in all of Disneydom. Really? Mm-hmm. Huh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the first 20 minutes of this movie mm-hmm. are sort of the morning routine of the house with Cinderella going and delivering food to each of the stepsisters. But it really is focused on what the animals are doing and what right. the mice are doing in particular during those first 20 minutes, which in a film that is only an hour 14 long is crazy. That's nearly a third of the movie. Right. Well, I think also too, that's a very typical Disney thing as well. Like making your supporting characters more prevalent and more personality driven. Well, it's very classic to have for a Disney princess, especially to have at least one animal sidekick Mm -hmm. because it allows the character to explain uh, how they're feeling to an outside character without seeming like they're monologuing. Mm-hmm. And by the time we get down to, like, Tangled, it's like everyone has a, an animal sidekick, right? right? Like, she's got the lizard, Flynn has the horse, 
so everyone has can has someone they can talk about their feelings to. Mm-hmm. Well, even so, especially in that era of Disney, especially the three Disney princesses that came out during the time that Walt was still alive, Snow White, Cinderella, and Sleeping Beauty. You know, they're beautiful, wonderful characters that they, they do have some sort of personality, but you can say that they're supporting characters. So like the seven dwarves, all the mice, the three good fairies, and Sleeping Beauty. Like they, they are the ones that have the personality and they are the ones that sort of drive, are the driving forces of the movie, really. Yeah, I'll admit I haven't seen really all f- three of those movies that you've just described. Mm-hmm. I haven't seen probably since before I turned 10. Mm-hmm. So they're not so fresh in my memory. I'd be curious to go back and, and see that thing that you're talking about. It, it's definitely especially prevalent in Cinderella and Sleeping Beauty. Mm-hmm. In fact, I will argue that Sleeping Beauty is more about the fairies uh-huh. than it is about Sleeping Beauty. Because she's only in the movie for like 15 minutes. Hard to dramatize sleeping. Right. And with Cinderella. It'd be fun if they did like a dream sequence. Are there any dream sequences in Sleeping Beauty? There are not. There are some funky show-off animation moments in Cinderella. There are, especially with the bubbles. There, right, there's this one moment where she's cleaning. The step family is doing a music lesson together. Mm-hmm, the horrible, awful singing music lesson. Which is not that bad, actually. It's, I gotta say. It's bad. It's bad, but it's not like, it's not like screechy, terrible. Like, it's kind of passable. I mean, it's, yeah. And Cinderella starts singing along to the song. And there's this odd sort of trippy moment where she's she's scrubbing the floor and these soap bubbles fly up. And each of them reflects Cinderella. And then because there's three Cinderella's on screen, you hear her voice three times. Mm-hmm. And, and different harmonies as well. Right, which is which was sort of an, a unique thing to do in terms of vocal recording as well, to record the, the same part over and over again mm-hmm. like that. Are there any other big animation show-off moments? I mean, the house is, is this gorgeous French house, which ha- takes some clear stylistic influences. And there's I, a lot of loving depictions of architectural details. Right, right. I think the big one is the castle. Oh, right. Well, and the, this castle, of course, went on to become an icon for the company. Right. The Walt Disney it, Company. Right, it's, for Walt Disney World, Cinderella's Castle. Mm-hmm, and it's the basis for the castle in the in the logo. Right. So there are a lot of, like, big animated things that came from this, from this yeah. film. This film also has what I consider the classic Disney animated movie opening sequence, where there's a chorus of voices over an opening credits sequence, and then we have a live action shot of a book opening. Yes. Very classic. All in just the princess movies, too. Like, that's mm-hmm. a pretty, like, standard yeah. and princess then, movie of the early. And then parodied in Shrek, I believe. Yes, heavily parodied in Shrek. Yeah. And then I think at the end, we, we closed the book, right? At the end of Cinderella? Yes. Very classic. There's music. Beautiful music. Some of the, the music most... is fine. Uh, but this is some of the most, like, known music of the Disney company. Yes. Well, and in fact, I made a joke about it when we watched it together, because one of the opening lines of dialogue is about Dream, and I was like, oh, the Dream is where your heart makes, and then they and then sang it. literally started. I didn't know what movie that song was from. I just knew the, that that was a Disney mm-hmm. movie musical song. Yeah, A Dream is a Wish Your Heart Makes. But beyond that, I would have only been able to name that and Bippity Boppity Boo as songs from this movie. But there are, in fact, six songs in this movie. There are. So we have A Dream is a Wish Your Heart Makes. Mm-hmm. We have the Cinderella working song, Cinderella, Cinderella, Night and Day in Cinderella. We got good old Bippity Boppity Boo. Mm-hmm. That's sing, three. Sing Sweet Nightingale. Yes, the music lesson. So this is Love, which is the final, uh-huh. final one. That's the, the last song, which is the love duet. Right. Between the prince and her at the ball. 
Right. And then the only other one is like the opening title songs. That's correct. So we only get six songs and halfway through they're just But done. I I gotta say, it's not halfway through. I gotta say for a movie that is only an hour 14 long, six songs feels significant to me. Mm-hmm. One last thing I want to hit on real quick for people who have a historical eye. At the ball, Cinderella and the Prince dance away from the crowd and out onto a courtyard or something like that. Mm-hmm. And the Duke like closes a curtain between them and the rest of the ball. Right. Meaning that they're out there unchaperoned. Uh-huh. Which feels very scandalous for... That that time period? For that time period, which I assume is 1800s France. I mean, both time periods with the 1950s, let's be honest. Well, people were allowed to be unchaperoned in the 1950s, weren't they? Not really. I mean, they kind of... I'm not a historian. I mean, they kind of preferred it. Like, there was somebody making, t- keeping a watchful eye, making sure they weren't doing suggestive things. Mm-hmm. But yeah, definitely for royalty, not being chaperoned. He must be a good prince. <laughs> Well, I think they're very desperate to get him married off. <laughs> that That's true. Uh, honestly, it's a shock that the king's plan, which is effectively like put the prince in a room with women and see what happens. It's a shock that that plan works as well as it does. <laughs> like it genuinely is the exact result the, that the king was hoping for. Yeah, I mean... That he would meet somebody and fall in love immediately and get married. I mean, it's like the king knows things or something, you know? He doesn't seem like the most intelligent king, I must say. Yeah, but as we've seen throughout history, the most intelligent people do not always mean the people in power. Especially with kings. Especially with kings. Not the most popularly elected group. No. Perhaps the least popularly elected group. Right. I think the last major element for us to touch on is the fairy godmother. Mm Mm-hmm who in classic pro fashion shows up only when she is needed and then is not in the rest of the movie. After getting her dress torn apart, Cinderella is crying on the... If I may say, she is crying under a tree. Classic Grimm reference. She is crying under a tree. That is a Brothers Grimm reference. As we all know, having a tree in your movie makes it a reference to the canon of the Brothers Grimm. (laughs) But she's crying under it, wishing she could go to the ball, and then magic happens. Mm -hmm. That's just like the Grimm. It does feel like she runs outside so that it's not like a home intruder story when the fairy godmother shows up. She fades into existence. There's a lot of sparkles in the air Mm -hmm. and suddenly she's just there. Mm -hmm. You know, consoling her. Very motherly figure in some ways. For sure, for sure. Very adorable. She does magic, sings a song, and then is not in the movie again. She she doesn't show up at the end to wish them well. She doesn't uh, help with the shoe stuff at the end. Nope. She helps Cinderella the one time she needs it. Mm -hmm. She says, I'm here. She says, I'm here. I am your fairy godmother. And then we doesn't explain what that means. I did my job. Bye. Goodbye. That's it. (laughs) Things will be fine. I mean, they are. She's right. Right. I mean, I guess we have to imagine that she's keeping a watchful eye in general. Maybe she can see into the future. Maybe maybe she was the original That's So Raven. Do we think of that? Could be. Could be. I mean, magic. That's basically That's So Raven. And, spoiler for later Cinderella movies, the fairy godmother can do things with time. Oh, right. So there are sequels to this movie. There are. That Disney produced decades later. All in the 2000s, I believe. Yeah. <clears throat> Cinderella 2, Dreams Come True. Uh, and Cinderella 3, A Twist in Time, which I guess we will have to cover at some point. We will. I think we should cover them together, though. Definitely. <laughs> definitely. I'm definitely looking forward to finding out how they expand a story that definitely seems like there's not a lot of room for growth what i will say keep your expectations low for the second one okay but the third one keep my expectations very high not not high but cinderella 3 is the best cinderella movie that's what you're saying i'm not saying it's the best but it's not bad it's not bad (laughs) cinderella 3 it's not bad it's not bad that's the review they're going to use when they (laughs) 
when they re-release it. When they do the live action remake. Oh God. <laughs> It's inevitable. At some point, they're going to have to do live action remakes of the sequels. It's inevitable. We're going to get a live action Fox and the Hound 2. <laughs> Are we going to get a live action Fox and the Hound? No, we'll do Fox and Hound 2 before we do Fox and the Hound. Okay. <laughs> God, I forgot there was a Fox and the Hound 2. There is a Fox. So with, many... with Reba McIntyre. As? As a country singing dog. God bless. <laughs> but yes, we will have to do the sequels. Um, but yeah, I think maybe, maybe the fairy godmother has some like time telling power. So she's like, you're going to be fine. You're not going to need me after this moment. Or maybe she's just like watching over in general from wherever fairy godmothers go to before they fade into the frame. Okay. They're doing all these like prequel movies on like how these things came to be. Mm -hmm. Where's the fairy godmothers? I want to know if there's like a fairy godmother corporation. Uh Uh-huh. Like, like, imagine a fairy godmother prequel movie where it's, like, kind of like an office and it's, like, everybody gets a fairy godmother and it's all about her learning how to be a fairy godmother. Wouldn't that be cute? Wouldn't that be cute? That would be cute. I would like that. I I would so much rather watch a fairy godmother prequel than a prequel about the origins of Corella DeVille, which we're getting later this year. Mm -hmm. I just can't get over... The fact they're trying to make Cruella DeVille, who I think is one of the least sympathetic Disney villains, mm. out to be a sympathetic, right. wronged woman who gets back at society by killing puppies, I guess? <laughs> that, that'll that show them. Many questions. That'll show them. But can you just imagine, like, like Olivia Coleman being, like, the head of the Fairy Godmother Corporation? And then, like, ooh, who's a, who's a young actress that can play the Fairy Godmother? Well, the Fairy Godmother is an older woman. But this could, but this is her prequel, so she can be a young person. Oh, I think I was thinking. Here's here's my, my story pitch for Godmothers, which I think is the name of the movie. <gasps> I'm here for it. You're gasping at the title. I haven't even got to the story pitch yet. An older woman mm-hmm. who always wanted to be a grandmother, perhaps had children, but her children didn't have children, is, let's say she's dying, and upon death, she becomes a godmother. Oh my god. She ascends to the next plane, (laughs) and she's like, I want to help people like I couldn't help people in life, and I want to become a godmother now, instead of going to heaven. Okay. Which will abstract somehow, because Disney, and we don't want to mix Disney and religion. Mm -hmm. And then she learns her trade, and the first case she gets assigned to is Cinderella. She has to watch all the events that are happening in Cinderella, Mm. and people keep being like, why aren't you interceding and helping her things are terrible now and she's like i'm waiting i'm waiting for the right moment to jump in Mm -hmm. and she has to prove herself by jumping in at the right moment and Mm. and setting cinderella on her course the right way that'd be cool i would like that Ooh, is that that too dark with her dying at the beginning it might be but but that would be good oscar fodder so Mm -hmm. olivia coleman can be the fairy godmother and then glenn close can be in charge of all the godmothers Mm -hmm. glenn close can finally win an oscar Yes. If she can't win it for Sunset Boulevard, whenever that movie comes out. Are we getting a Sunset Boulevard movie starring Gun Close? We are. Wow. But, like, I just want a prequel movie for the for the Fairy Godmother. I think that would be so nice and so fun. I'm here for it. I'm 100% here for it. It would also kind of just give a new light to the fairy godmother because i think especially like if you think about her in the disney parks like all she does is like in the morning she like welcomes everybody to the park and causes fireworks to happen in the morning there are fireworks the in the morning there are you can't even see fireworks during the daytime well they're, they're it's like fireworks but like just pyro oh okay so they just shoot in the air there's nothing that like explodes but mm-hmm. they're just like the good old pyro so you're saying we should make a prequel so she can have an ex- expanded role within the parks yes okay and just in general. Let's wrap up our discussion of the this movie real quick. Mm-hmm. I would recommend it. I would 120% recommend it's it. It's short. It's sweet. It's entertaining. Honestly, it's one of the best classic Disney films. Yes. Yeah, I think that some of the older ones especially 
uh, get a little long sometimes. Some of the like sequences in Snow White hmm. feel long to our modern sensibility. Hmm. And there were almost no moments in Cinderella where, that felt like they dragged. No, not at all. Maybe the love duet, but even I don't remember dragging, feeling slow when we saw it. No, it's it's not. It's a it's a very quick, fun movie. And if for no other reason, for no other reason, if you are a big Disney aficionado and Disney person, y- you did not mention this, but this is a fact that I know. This is Walt Disney's favorite Disney movie. Oh, that's sweet. That he made. He felt that he related to the Cinderella story, being somebody who worked in like the rags when he was young and then becoming what he became, working from a rags to riches story. Like he felt like he was that story himself. Is this your pitch for a Cinderella story? No, it's not. That's coming up. (laughs) So this movie is really like, this is his baby. This is like the movie that he kind of was always made to make. Plus the transformation from the rags to the gown is his favorite animation that disney has ever done so if only for that reason like if you want to be like like you're invested in like the the person of walt disney you're looking at him up and everything look up this movie because this is this is his baby he may not have been a good person right but he was a good artist he was a great yeah he may not have been a good person but he was a great artist and gave us all this the pear-shaped something completely different (laughs) very very different our smaller cinderella this week are todrick hall's cinderfella and cinderance Mm -hmm. which both came out within the same year of each other right yes 2014 2014 can you give some background on who todrick hall is so todrick hall is at at this time uh was a youtuber and uh singer and songwriter he got his career start first by being in the original broadway cast of memphis in fact if you watch the filmed live on broadway version he's in it He's one of the ensemble members. Really? Mm-hmm. Okay. And then he was a competitor on the ninth season of American Idol, which is where he kind of got his first uh, notoriety before YouTube. American Idol is its own topic of conversation on how it makes stars and whatever. But he did not win. And unfortunately, because of that, you know, he really didn't have too much of a career, unfortunately, afterwards. So he did start making YouTube videos. And a lot of his YouTube videos are based off of Disney movies, whether it be taking one of the Disney movies and then putting them alongside a pop songs like whole discography or transforming a pop song, but using the words of a Disney song 
So like taking an already existing song and then putting the Disney lyrics inside of them, trying to make them fit. And then some original music and some original videos uh, he did. Um, As of lately, uh, he was a judge on season eight and season two of All Stars of RuPaul's Drag Race. He makes appearances on there kind of frequently as sort of like a guest collaborator does like the choreography for a lot of the musical challenges on there. He's still working, still doing some YouTube more now as like um what are they called an influencer yeah well (laughs) what are they called influencers (laughs) with my cane right and most notably most recently appeared back on broadway as a named character as a replacement in waitress he did he was in waitress along with Miranda Sings. Colleen Ballinger. Ballinger. Both of them, I think, arguably mostly famous for their YouTube stuff. Todrick definitely got notoriety for his YouTube stuff out of anything else in his career. And I feel like I've seen them flying around. I think that the advantage of doing fairy tale stories that everyone knows, both for Todrick Hall and for large uh, multimedia corporations, is there's some immediate brand recognition, right? Mm -hmm. I think that's the reason that there are so many Cinderella stories to talk about. Mm -hmm. A lot of these videos go into the millions of views, like... I think Cinderella had 1.7 million and Cinderella had 1.4 million. So Cinderella, which I believe is the one that came first, mm-hmm. is eight minutes long. It tells the story of Cinderella sort of using the music of Beyonce. Yes. Uh, in fact, in using the directly using the music of Beyonce. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, using some of her biggest hits mm-hmm. of her career. Not all of them, just some of them, uh, especially around that time in Beyonce's music career. This was just after she released like her self-titled album, like released it out of nowhere. So Beyonce was kind of on everybody's mind at that moment. I mean, Beyonce should be on our minds 24-7. She's on my mind 24-7. Right, of course. <laughs> well, and on the one hand, I can see why he would want to use directly use the recordings of Beyonce from her music mm-hmm. as opposed to try to make somebody else sing Beyonce's songs because her vocals are impeccable. Right. But he does use his own vocals a few times. He's the only other singer besides Beyonce. So it's Beyonce and then he sings. He's the prince in that one. Yes. And he sings his own parts. The songs used in Cinderella are Halo, Diva, uh, Freakum Dress, Single Ladies, One Plus One, Countdown, Why Don't You Love Me, and Love on Top. So that's eight songs for all eight minutes. Yeah, I don't think you can do that off memory. That's impressive to me. <laughs> I think if you went into Cinderella not knowing the plot of Cinderella, you would also not know it when you finished Cinderella. Really? Yes. Yeah. I. I disagree. Tell me why. It could be that the two of them are blending together in my head. They might be. But I feel like a lot of the ideas are expressed very quickly so that we can get back to the songs. Mm -hmm. There's a lot more time spent dancing to the specific numbers. I mean, even the sequence where the prince is trying the shoes on different people's feet, I thought was a little unclear what was happening. And Mm -hmm. I I had to be like, oh, this is probably the scene where this is happening. The shoe doesn't even get introduced until she runs away with it. Right. Uh, I'm not even sure there's a significant dress transformation moment. That kind of was. That's that's kind of what Freakum Dress was for. And then she was started, like, you know, doing the the dance with the sexy horses. There were sexy horses. There were sexy horses. The fairy godmother tur- showed up and turned the mice, or a mouse. Into multiple sexy horsemen. Into horse multiple men. sexy horsemen. <laughs> so I guess the less said about that, the better. <laughs> I, I think Cinderella does the Cinderella story a lot better than Cinderfella. But between the two, and only a minute different difference in length, 
Cinderance feels longer. There's so much more dancing without plot happening that is just about dancing to Beyonce songs. Whereas I feel like Cinderfella moves a lot faster between what is happening on screen and with mm. the music. So Cinderfella is a gender-swapped Cinderella story. Tyler Hall plays Cinderfella. Mm -hmm. And it was produced as part of the push to legalize gay marriage. Mm -hmm. Remember, this is 2014. It's also very 2014. Glozell is there. Glozell. Who is famous for the Cinnamon Challenge, I believe. Right, yeah. She was a big, big YouTuber back then. Cinnamon Challenge, all those challenges. What happened to Glozell? She's still around. I just, I think the YouTube market has definitely changed. You know, it's not right. about challenges anymore. No, God, no. It's more about, like, commentaries mm-hmm. now, which I personally love. My, my nerd self is loving YouTube these days. But, yeah, Glozelle, is you okay? Is you good? Because I wanted to know, like, that. She was iconic back then. Also uses, I think, the best casting of a stepmother, Janice Dickinson, who, if... I don't know if you're aware. I'm uh, not. She is a legendary supermodel of the 80s. The first oh. ever supermodel, actually. That's fun. The, fr- the one to coin the phrase supermodel. Um, she was a judge on America's Next Top Model for a few seasons. She was she was the mean judge, you know. Um, <laughs> so and, yeah. perfect, really. Oh, right. uh, And also, how can we forget, Lance Bass is the prince. Lance Bass is Prince Charming. Willem and Shangela from RuPaul's Drag Race are two of the stepsisters. Shangela also plays the fairy drag mother in Cinderance. Gotcha. Yeah, that's the same person. Yeah, that's the same person. Mm -hmm. We also have from a pop group. She was a pop star. Her name's Aubrey O'Day. She also did Broadway. She was in Hairspray at one point as Amber. But she was part of a girl group. Uh, She plays Alice because Alice is for some reason in this. I can't tell you. There's a white woman, unfortunately, who plays Jasmine. Oh, right. I don't know her name. I don't know what she's famous for. So... About halfway through, we have this interlude where neither Cinderella nor the prince nor the step family or the fairy godmother is on screen. And we are instead doing I Kissed a Girl with uh, all women on screen because this is in support of gay marriage. And the main couple is Jasmine from Aladdin mm-hmm. and Alice and Alice from Alice in Wonderland. Mm-hmm. So there's a couple problems with that. The first of which is that uh, Jasmine is being played by a white woman. Mm-hmm. Arguably, the second is that Alice is a minor. <gasps> I didn't even think of that. Oh, my God. I mean, the character's presented as an adult, but in her story, Alice but is even, a minor. even then. Although Jasmine probably is a minor also in the original story. Probably. I mean, so is Ariel, and she's in the background dancing Oh, my along. God. So they're all aged up. Maybe yeah. it's not problematic. It's just a... It's a weird two to pick. Mm-hmm. If you had to pick two princesses to kiss for a song, I don't know that they'd be my first two choices. Is Alice a princess? Alice is not a princess. Thank you. I misspoke. So many people like to think that Alice is a princess, and I agree with you on that. Uh, It's complicated, right? Like, when you get into, like, Disney princess questions, people are always like, is Pocahontas a princess? Like, arguably, she's not a princess in the, like, European tradition, Hmm. but she's a princess in that she is the daughter of... The leader of her people. But even in a European tradition, Alice ain't no... No, God, no. Princess. No, Alice is not a princess. I don't think... Is, Alice isn't one of the canonical Disney princesses. She's sometimes she? considered. It's funny because in the modern era where we don't tell stories about princesses as much, when a character is canonically a princess, they sort of immediately become a, a Disney princess, like mm-hmm. Vanellope von Schwiez in uh, Wreck-It Ralph. Right. Who, who literally is a princess right. in the story. I don't think she's, like, in the parks canonically considered a Disney princess. Sarah Silverman tells people that she's a Disney princess. Well, yes. 
I, I think she's a Disney princess, but I don't think the Disney parks recognize it. Right. Wait, she's not part of the, like, whatever the six color-coded Merida is, though. You get Merida, Merida. as a Disney princess. Now. Right. Anyway, Cinderella and Cinderance are... Cinderella also uses a lot of pop songs as well. Yep, pop songs. That, but also a few... Both of them use a couple uh, Disney songs. Cinderance doesn't use the Disney songs at all. It, that's just strictly Beyonce. It, oh, it just uses uh, When You Wish Upon a Star at the very end. Right, right. As, like a, as, a, as, an, as a funny outro. Right, a like and subscribe moment. Cinderfella, however, uses Bibbidi Bobbidi Boo, A Dream Is a Wish Your Heart Makes, and So This Is Love. Just the slightest bit. Just the slightest bit. Also, for some reason, I've Been Dreaming of a True Love's Kiss comes about from Enchanted. Oh. Right? When yeah. did Enchanted come out? 2007. Wow. I know. We're, yeah, we're old. I know. <laughs> I didn't know. Nobody told me I was old. <laughs> but um, some of the pop songs used in Cinderfella are Who Who You Are by Jesse J. Firework by Katy Perry. There's also Where Have You Been by Rihanna. Turn Up the Music by Chris Brown. And I Kissed a Girl by Katy Perry. Those are the songs used in Cinderfella. They're fun. But I wouldn't especially recommend them unless you were already a fan of Tadric Hall, Mm -hmm. I think, Mm -hmm. or music videos using old other songs. Mm -hmm. If you like Moulin Rouge on Broadway, maybe you'd like Cinderfella and Cinderance. That rhymed and I didn't mean it to. (laughs) See, here's the thing. I think what you said about Cinderance, I would put with Cinderfella. I felt like there were so many long periods of nothing happening. Just dancing. And does not really tell the story of cinderella mm-hmm. like the first half yes but as soon as we get to the the ball hotel room um, <laughs> yeah nothing happens in cinderella like it's just dancing yeah yeah i, I Whereas, would i would not recommend either one for like fans of the cinderella story i don't think i would recommend cinderance okay i would recommend cinderance i think it does a better job telling the cinderella story it also gives a good case for a Beyonce Cinderella jukebox musical, I think. I would watch that. Like, I think it gives the best case for it. And if you're looking to cast anybody or for a set designer, we're right here. So <laughs> <laughs> just throwing that out there. Yes, I will be available for any Beyonce Cinderella projects. <laughs> and also any other projects. <laughs> All right. So is that your pitch today? That is not my pitch day for a Cinderella. That was just my small Cinderella. Thank do, you very much. Do you like that as a segue, though? I do like that as a segue. So what's your pitch for a story that we don't think of as a Cinderella story? Mm-hmm. But you're going to tell me that it is a Cinderella story. And then I'll tell you why you're wrong, if you're wrong. So I'm going to stay in the Disney canon. You're going to tell me I'm wrong. I already know it. Okay. I'm staying in the Disney canon. Okay. And I'm going with The Princess Diaries. Okay. I love that movie. I lo- love, love, love that movie. So, here's my reasoning. You got your Cinderella with... Well, hit us with a quick synopsis first. Well, okay. For those of you who have not seen the movie, which, if you haven't, Disney Plus is right there. Come on. Watch it. It's a great movie. Watch both of them. Yes. There's a sequel. Honestly. One of the most successful sequels, I think. I agree. In in that it it honestly could stand alone, doesn't try to do what the first film did, just Mm -hmm. is good on its own merits yeah both of them fantastic movies 10 out of 10 would recommend mm-hmm. um so princess diaries tells of a young girl from san francisco named mia thermopolis she finds out from her grandmother that she is actually a princess so she goes through a little bit my fair lady-esque journey and how to 
become a princess. This is like the Spark Notes version. I'm not going to do like the full, yeah. but the ending is, you know, she can accept whether she wants to be princess, but if she doesn't, then her family loses the mm-hmm. crown. So there's kind of an arc about her overcoming her fear of public speaking to give a speech for sure at a some sort of public event where she sort of accepts that she is going to become the next princess and queen of of the small European country of Genovia. Right. Plus, it becomes very known around her high school, so now she has to deal with, you know, being a princess in her own high school. Mm -hmm. What does that entail? Mm -hmm. And and she gets the boy in the end. Well, not the boy that she thought she wanted. Right, she learns a lesson. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. She, She wants this popular guy, but her best friend's brother has a crush on her. And in the end, they fall in love, and she decides to be princess of Genovia. So what makes it a Cinderella? So here's why I'm saying it's a Cinderella story. First of all, it's obviously a rags to riches story. You know, this is an ordinary girl. I wouldn't say it's a rags story. She is considered an ugly duckling. And at the but beginning that, that's of the That's not what rags to riches I, means. I know, but she is considered an ugly duckling. Sure. And then but she, she has a loving family and she, they live in this, this fine house and her family likes her. She does, she does. But again, she's not well liked in her school. You know, she's kind of considered the dorky one in her mm-hmm. school. So I'm kind of considering not her family, but her environment, her high school environment mm-hmm. as the stepsisters and stepmother. Okay. And she g- goes through this wonderful transformation of being this beautiful princess you mm-hmm. know and in the end she gets the happily ever after that she always wanted and now if we want to get more specifics i, I do consider, want i do I want to get more julie specific. andrew's character the fairy godmother okay because she shows up she and, shows and up. helps her out of her difficult moment that she's in yeah mm-hmm. for sure i consider the friend and her now like bodyguard person as like the supporting characters like the jacques and the gus gus Okay, I wouldn't call those essential for a Cinderella story, but I'll I'm accept calling, it. I'm calling them essential. I think you okay. need... Okay, so you're saying that this is an adaptation of specifically Disney's Cinderella 1950? Yes. Okay. Yes. <laughs> Who's Lucifer the cat? Um, the popular girl in school. Okay. <laughs> and then, you know, the fancy event at the end is her ball. And, like, I would say that her making this decision is sort of like a glass slipper moment. Now... I don't think of the moment when she loses the shoe mm-hmm. in the classic Cinderella story to be a moment where she is making a decision. Mm-hmm. And and not until Into the Woods do we really start seeing it that way at all. What's the relationship between her losing a shoe and deciding to accept her role as a princess? Mm-hmm. Well, there there is a moment in Princess Diaries where she is running away. Like, she is trying to run away from her issues. Oh, which is which raining and she's in the car. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it, the car uh-huh. goes backwards down the hill. And so she's, like, stuck. And then it's, like, raining on top of her. And she's singing mm-hmm. Catch a Falling Star. Yes. And put it in your pocket. Yes. Oh, so, oh, that's that's a Cinderella thing, that she runs away f- from something. Yeah, she runs but away. But she doesn't, she doesn't run away after an event, necessarily with a prince. Well, no, there. There, there is an event. Mm-hmm. Like, she's, she's run- running away from an event. Yeah, she's running away from this event. And also running away from this, I guess, duty. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't even call it a duty. Like, it's her decision, but it just feels like such a big, big thing. I think if we were to make it more of a Cinderella story, the event where she's supposed to speak would happen first. Mm-hmm. And she would speak at the event, but not reveal that she's the next princess of Genovia. Mm-hmm. And then run away uh, before the midnight moment when she's going to be revealed as the as the princess of Genovia. It'd be like, she'd be at the event, she'd be making social niceties at the event. Mm-hmm. There'd, maybe there'd be one person in particular she needed to impress. I think we'd have to break the Julie Andrews role. Julie Andrews Although, plays the... I will plays say, the... there are other events that happen in the movie that, like, she goes to to, like, be a princess. 
Like there's that one dinner scene. Mm-hmm. If we well, if we could tie her running away as like well, but but the Cinderella story is that she goes to an event where she does very well. Mm. She impresses everybody and then runs away before anybody can realize that she is the same person uh, as the as the scullery maid or whatever. That's true. So I think we would have to split the Julie Andrews character who plays the current queen of Genovia mm-hmm. into two roles. I think there would have to be the fairy godmother character who could make some sort of royal envoy who mm. comes to Genovia's parents' home and tells her that she is the next princess of Genovia. And then there'd be a second character who is this very regal, unapproachable sort of queen mother character, or mm. not a queen mother, but just a queen, who is at the ball, who she needs to impress. So she, be- mm. so she becomes sort of the prince role in that sense. Okay. And Mia impresses her at the ball and then runs away before it can be revealed that she is, in fact, the next princess. Right, okay. I think that could be the way to do it. Hmm. Make a masquerade. <laughs> And then the shoe could be anything, right? Like as anything that ties it back to. They're like, that woman was lovely. We'd love to meet her again. Mm. And also, I hope we finally get to meet this missing princess. Sort of an right. Anastasia story in that sense. Yeah. I like the idea, though. Because it does deal with the, like, commoner becoming a princess mm. trope. But I think some of the, like, ball slipper stuff needs to be zhuzhed a little bit. Well, yeah. I'll give you half marks. Thank you. Thank you. But also, strongly recommend Princess Diaries. Princess Diaries is a great movie. I can't trust people who don't like that movie. There are people who don't like that movie? I Right? That's what I say. Have you met someone who doesn't like I that movie? I have met many people who don't like that movie. Many? Many. And I'm like, I can't trust you as a human being. I think if I was at a party with somebody who said they didn't like that movie, I would get up and leave. I'd kick them out. I wouldn't care if it's their party. I'd be like, no, you have to leave. <laughs> this is my apartment This is now. my party now. Yep. I own this house now. You don't like Princess Diaries? It's like not liking Sister Act. Right. It's an insane thing to say. It's like, right. I, it's like I have no taste in movies. Right. Well, I think that sound of a clock chiming midnight means that it's time to wrap up this episode of If This Shoe Fits. We'll see you in two weeks' time to talk about Ever After. Take care now. <laughs> <laughs>